Well, as I was sitting at the football game on Friday night in the cold and in the mist, I thought, I really like this. How many like this weather so far? Okay, so how many are ready for summer again? Okay, all you people, you know what you have to do? You have to wait. You have to wait. You know, we all have different seasons that we like better than others. One time, I remember going to, um, going to a school with a friend. We were doing a, a rally there um, with student ministry, and I ran into a, a former teacher of mine who happened to be the guidance counselor at this school, and she said that she had given out uh, these tests to the students, and she said, Linda, you'll never believe the answers. I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, and turkey and dove and duck, those are your four seasons. See, so some people, when they think of seasons, think, you know, winter, spring, summer. Others are like, I get to hunt. Seasons mean different things. Seasons are short. Some of those seasons are long. Life happens in seasons, doesn't it? Some of those seasons are short. Some of those seasons are long. Some of those seasons are good. Some of those seasons are difficult. And we've talked about this before. There's, there's seasons. And, and if we happen to be in a season, like I asked earlier, you may be in this season of weather, and your favorite season of weather is, you know, summer. Well, the truth is, not trying to be funny, but there's no, there's no short summer, and that's wait. you got to wait to get there. Because the truth is, there's no shortcut to get there, and there's no shortcuts in life either. You know, if you think about it, there's, we, there's sometimes that we want to speed things up, or we want to get through something, or, you know, a difficulty happens, and it, it changes who we are, or we react to it wrong, or, you know, all this stuff happens, and we want to either go back, or we want to fast forward, or we want to, a lot of times, where, except for where we are. And a lot of times, it means that we're trying to find this shortcut or an easy way to get there, but the truth about life is there are no shortcuts in life. And what we've been looking at over the past few weeks, it comes from the book of 1 John, talking about what it means to see Jesus clearly is because a lot of times when we enter into a season of difficulty or a season of stress or a season of opposition, then we want to just fast forward through these things and, and, and we tend to forget who Jesus is or what he might be doing or how he could work in our life or through a particular situation. And it's difficult for all of us. And I don't care how young or old you are or what you've been through in life or whether you don't know Jesus or whether you do know Jesus or it doesn't matter. It's difficult for all of us to wait on some of those things. It's difficult for all of us to, to trust that there's something that can happen good in certain seasons of life. And especially it's difficult when things aren't going the way that we want them to go. It doesn't matter whether they're not going the way that you want them to go in your home, at work, with your football team. happening, that the situation that John is dealing with as he writes this letter to the church at this particular time, just to bring you up to speed, he's writing because there's a difficult thing that's happening in the church. That we're, we're at this point in history, at this particular point in time, John, who was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, the apostles of Jesus, he, was, he had lived with Jesus, walked with Jesus. He'd seen Jesus do miracles. He knew Jesus. And what was happening at this particular point in time of his writing was that we were now getting into the second and third generations of believers. We had some believers and followers of Jesus Christ who actually hadn't seen him or walked with him. 
And then what began to happen in the midst of that is you had others who weren't necessarily following Jesus, but they knew about Jesus, and they were trying to, and catch this, they were trying to figure out where Jesus fit into their world. And they were at times blending things together that came from culture or came from their own experiences and their own ideas about Jesus. And they were trying to put them all together and make something out of that that they could believe in and that they could follow. And that's what was happening at this point in time. And because so many people were doing that, there were people who were getting confused. Who is Jesus? What are we supposed to do if we follow him? How, what, is it, what good is it if I give him my life? How am I supposed to live this out? And so John wrote this letter because he wanted people to be able to clearly understand who Jesus is and how you can follow him and why you should. And so we pick up the letter today, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. And John's leaning in at this point in time to those who are struggling with this, I, I don't know how to follow Jesus in this time and what this person's saying is confusing and there were some people who were here with me and now they're not here with me anymore. What do I do? And this is what he says. He says, children, it's the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming last hour, they went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be clear that none of them belongs to Christ that he's talking about. Explain, oh, that might seem a little confusing. I'm going to come back to the idea of the antichrists that he's talking about and explain that. But what does he mean they went out and they, they weren't here? What John is saying is that there were people who were walking with us, but they weren't really with us. They were following their own idea or a misguided idea of what being a Christian was or a follower of Christ was. And for whatever reason, as they walked that path, it led them away from where they were. And so he says, you know, that, that's what happened. They, weren't, they went out so because it came, became clear that they weren't following the same Jesus that you're following. He says in verse 20, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I've not written you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This one is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. And then in verse 24, he says, What you've heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he himself made to us eternal life. I've written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, remain in him. What's he saying? In paraphrase and just to sum it up, John's saying, I know a lot of you are confused because people seem to be following their own ideas of things. People seem to be talking about Jesus, but yet somehow they're not living like we are. And, and some things that they're saying are confusing about this. And I don't get what's going on. And he's saying, look, 
you, you just need to understand that there are some people who are being misled and have led astray and who've walked away supposedly from their faith, but that really just showed that they, they, weren't, they didn't really have a clear understanding struggles with their faith. They just don't have faith. Now, being a legalist with this and trying to make everybody feel good that, well, anybody who struggles with their faith, they just don't have faith. No, 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 no. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that there are some people who are really working to deceive things or who are really following a false idea of Jesus, not just a believer who struggles because we're all believers who struggle. And so he's not just talking about people who are having a hard time putting things together with their faith. He's talking about people who are trying to manipulate the faith to fit what they want it to say. And he said, and then they end up walking away. And, and he goes on to say this about this anointing. What does he mean with that? He, he really means that God has given inside of you everything you need to discern this that's going on. It's the Holy Spirit of God that has come. And, and if that remains in you and you remain in it, then that's what you need to worry about. That's what you need to follow. And so John writes this, this word, and it's kind of this buzzword sometimes in church or when people are talking about religious things, it's this word antichrist. Now, if you read the book of Revelation, there is the antichrist. And if you read the book of 1 John, there are many antichrists. And so what he's talking about in our context today are people who are literally anti-Christ. They are against the teachings of Jesus. Or in a more deceiving way, and see if this doesn't sound familiar, they are putting Jesus in a, in a place that he doesn't belong or trying to fit him into things in their own ideas or their own schemes. And so the primary idea here that John is saying is that we can tell that the last times are near, that we're in the last hour because there are people who are distorting and confusing who Jesus is with people. And so he says we shouldn't be surprised when we run into people who are against Christ or when we run into people who are pursuing and following something other than Christ because all that is is a demonstration that the time is drawing near to Christ's return. Now can we just address something? that there are a lot of people who go, y'all been saying that for 2,000 years, Christians, come on. Well, isn't God good that he's patient with all of us and allowing more and more people to come to him? And really what this is demonstrating, when we say we're in the last hours, we're in the final part of history. Jesus came to earth in the form of a man. He crucified, he was crucified on a cross, he was buried and he rose again. He ascended into heaven and then we entered into the last times. When he comes back again, that's it. So now we are in the last hour of history. And so this is what John is saying. We're in the last hour. This is going to be confusing along the way. There are going to be a lot of people who are against the teachings of Christ, and it's going to be confusing along the way. And here's the essence of what I would say, if you want to discern this type of teaching, here's the difference. What John is saying is that a true follower of Jesus Christ tries to remain in him. And so a true picture of what it means to be a Christian or a follower of Christ means this, that you have come to the realization that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that he was buried, he died, he rose again, and in his rising again, he overcame sin and death, and that by believing in him and following him, I can have eternal life when this life is over, but I can also have abundant life by following him in this life right now. And that's how this works. He says, but there are others who are saying that, well, 
Jesus, I just try to fit him into my life instead of me fitting into his will. I try to fit him into my will. That's anti-Christ. That's the person who says, I, I, my life is good. I just need to add a little Jesus to it. I'm a good person. I do good things. I'm like this. And so maybe if I just, you know, went to church every once in a while or, or if I just appreciated who Jesus was. No, that's not it. What John is saying that. And there's nothing who Jesus clearly is. There is nothing in your life that is more valuable than that. And there's nothing that you'll hold on to instead of holding on to Jesus. You'll walk away from everything that you know and you'll follow Jesus. And John says, you know how I know that? Because I did that. And I can sit here and tell you that it's worth it. And so these people who claim to be with you who are walking off, they didn't know him. There's no way they could have known him because if they'd have really known him, then they don't walk away from that. And again, like I said, there's a difference between people who struggle with their faith, me, you, and people who are truly just walking away from a false idea of Jesus. Antichrist redefine Jesus to meet their view. They do not seek to see Jesus clearly and to follow him. They fit Jesus into their life rather than conforming their life to his. And that's why John says we shouldn't be frustrated or we shouldn't get confused when people, quote, unquote, walk away from the faith. Because some of them never had that faith in the first place. Now, we can understand all that. But the truth is that when there are people who we love and who we care about and who we know that, that they know who Jesus is, but yet they're struggling in life to either believe that or to follow that, or for some season perhaps they walked with us on this journey and now they're not walking with us anymore, for John to show up and say these words might be true, but our hearts are still broken because there's people who we love and who we care about who aren't experiencing the fullness of joy of what it means to walk with Jesus Christ. And so then what do we do when our hearts are broken about this? That's why John says we shouldn't be frustrated when they walk away because they didn't know him. But it doesn't matter that you say that, John, and it doesn't matter that that's true because still my heart is broken because there are people who I care about who don't know Jesus and who aren't following him and our hearts are broken or at least they should be. They should be. Because we know the, the true way, and there's others who don't know that. And I know in today's world, to stand up and say, we know the one true way, Jesus Christ, people go, well, that's narrow-minded. Well, it's also true. That's what Scripture says. And I'm not trying to exclude you from it. I'm inviting you into it. And you can either choose to follow it or not. And so even so, when people we care about aren't following Jesus, our hearts break. And at some point, it makes us begin to question, well, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I following the right way? And this is exactly what was happening in the church. People were looking and saying, man, people who I know and who I love are, are following a lot of different things. And they're confused and they're out here. And it makes us look at ourselves and go, what do I do? And even more so, one is what's going on. But to the other side, so there's two sides here that John's explaining. One is what's going on, but to the other side is the reason that we get hurt by other people. What are we supposed to do when we get hurt by the decisions that others are making? Whether we're hurt by them because of Christ and they're just fighting against us, then what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live at that point in time? Sometimes it hurts because I care about them. Sometimes it hurts because they hurt me. But then what do I do with that? Let me just tell you the foundational truth that's over this whole thing of what John is saying. And that is God is bigger than your pain. God is bigger than your pain. Whatever season of life you may be walking through right now, maybe you're in a season 
that's bringing some difficulties and some heartaches and pain. Maybe you are not. Maybe you're in a great season right now, and that's awesome as well. But what we need to remember that gets us through the seasons of joy or the seasons of pain is that God is bigger than my pain. And what John's trying to explain to us at this point in time is you see when these people who were following an idea of Jesus instead of the true Jesus ran into a season of life that brought confusion and difficulty, they quickly left that idea because it was a false idea and they're trying to do things on their own. But what we're supposed to do as true followers of Christ is even in the seasons of difficulty and pain, we're supposed to remain in him. We're supposed to hold on. You see, anytime we're challenged in life, you've probably heard this teaching before. We have that instinct inside of us, right? Fight or flight. And so anytime in life that that things get tough, we either want to fight or we want to run away. Sometimes we want to stand up and stand our ground and stand against things. Or other times we're like, I'm just out. I just want to go away. But what John is saying, actually, there's one more option and it's actually a better option. And that option is this, just remain in Jesus. Just remain in Jesus. Whatever season of life that you're in, no matter how chaotic it looks or no matter how peaceful it is, no matter how successful it is or no matter how full of failure it is, you as a follower of Christ are supposed to remain in him. That's what you do. You see, the psalmist gives us a wonderful illustration in there. There, There's a psalm, Psalm 46. And in Psalm 46, there's one particular verse that gets quoted more than others, and I actually memorized it in, in, a, in a different translation than what I'm going to read it here. And, and I don't mean this to be derogatory toward it. I mean this to make a statement. It's one of those bumper sticker, you know, uh, verses that people like to put on bumper stickers or, or buy a nice frame and put it on the wall, and they, they look at this particular verse all the time, but sometimes they don't see it in the whole context of the psalm. Psalm 46.10 says this, be still and know that I am God. And it's one of those verses that maybe you've heard it before, maybe you haven't. And it, it sounds so peaceful. But just, you know, just be still and know that I am God. But when you actually see it in its context, I want to read the whole psalm to you today. And I want you to look at what the psalmist is trying to get across at this point in time. Because it's very similar to what John is saying about remaining in Christ. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and our strength a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. That sounds like a lot of chaos going on right now. He says, there is a river, its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage. Kingdoms topple. The earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. This sounds like a Marvel movie that's going on. Just chaos everywhere and things flashing around and blowing up and going everywhere. This doesn't sound real peaceful, does it? It sounds like a lot of action and a lot of events. In verse 8, he says, Come see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. How does he stop the wars? He takes all of their weapons and just 
shows them how big he is as opposed to them. And then we get to verse 10, which in this translation says, Stop your fighting and know that I am God, exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Or as I said, I memorized it, be still and know that I am God. Or if you actually want to dig into it a little bit deeper, what he's really saying is stop your struggling and just know that I am God. Even in the midst of all these things that you see happening around you, just quit fighting it and hold on to me. That's what he's saying. And this is what John is saying at this point in time. And it's a truth that we need to let sink into our hearts is that God is bigger than our pain. And when we face that pain or that difficulty or that circumstance, it shouldn't be fight or it shouldn't be flight. It should just be still. Just remain in God and let him work. But how do we do that? <laughs> well, there's some, there's some things we need to know if we're actually going to be able to live that truth out that God is bigger than your pain. The first thing that we need to know, and this is why John is saying these things so they can clearly see Jesus, you need to know that Jesus gives me all I need. That Jesus gives me all I need. You see, the reason that the false teachers were so successful in leading people astray wasn't necessarily that they were always teaching against the things of God like it was some sort of fight. A lot of times they were teaching, yes, you need Jesus and you also need this. You need Jesus, but you also need to do this. You need Jesus, but you need to behave like this. You need Jesus, but you also got to do this. And so they're putting these things together and they're making it more than what God's word says, which is Jesus gives me all that I need. That's why John writes those words. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as it has taught you, remain in him. What's he talking about there? He's talking about when, when we're inside our heart and he guides us, he comforts us, he leads us in this life. And God will actively speak his truth into your life. That's why I love to talk with people sometimes when they go, well, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about everything. Well, actually it does. Because what this verse says is that his anointing teaches you about all things. And it might not be in black and white where you can flip to the page in 1 John, but that's why we serve a God who is a risen Savior, who is alive, who sent the Holy Spirit to guide us. Because no matter what situation we face in life, he is there to teach us and lead us as we remain in him. He leads us and guides us and gives us everything that we need. Everything that we need in this life will come from God. But here's the deal. God gives it to us in his time, which is perfect, and in his amount, which is also perfect. But we get impatient sometimes when we don't get it in our time, in our way, or in our amount. But when you're wondering how to navigate a season or a situation, no matter how good or bad the season is, you simply need to bring it to God and listen and remain in him until you suffer, answer it all, or connect. And that's what John is saying. Don't, don't feel like you need to go out and run after all this stuff or answer it all or connect to it all. Just, just remain in him and he will lead you. Well, why do I need to remain in him? What does that mean? Well, because he's the one that we need to hold on to. And that next truth is this. I can hold on to him. I can actually hold on to my faith. Well, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, in times 
in seasons of trouble, of difficulty, but also in times of great success and joy. There is a constant that will bring us back to the point of where we need to be at all times, and that is holding on to Jesus and who he truly is. You see, if you're, if you're facing a difficulty, I want to read you Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. This is the children of Israel were constantly faced with challenges and struggles and difficulties. And here's, here's a common phrase that happened to him, but we're going to read it here. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them, for the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. No matter what your season is, you need to remember that. And why did the children of God and the nation of Israel need to be reminded all the time to be strong and courageous and don't be fearful? Because they were scared. You ever just stop to think about that? God didn't just write it because they were already doing it well. He didn't say continue to be strong and courageous. He said be strong and courageous because I know right now you're probably scared of what this season may have. I know you're looking at the challenge in front of you thinking, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I know you're thinking, I don't know how I'll walk through this, get through this, or what it means on the other side. He says just be strong and courageous, and here's what you need to know. The Lord your God is the one who will go with you. You see, this is what John is saying. He's already given you the person of the Holy Spirit who will guide you in all situations of life. So no matter what you're facing, your true faith is tested on how you're going to hold on to Jesus. Well, what do you mean hold on to Jesus? Well, let me give the negative example, okay? When we stop holding on to Jesus and we stop following him, and we let him go, and then we take the wheel, and we try to do it on our own, do you know what that means? It means you're on your own. And I know we live in a culture that sometimes makes us all want to believe, I can't wait to grow up and be on my own. Just be patient, please. Because you know what happens when you're on your own? You're on your own. (laughs) You no longer have the resources of the Father available to you. And so sometimes it's like, hey, ramen noodles again. Awesome. Because I'm on my own. I thought this would be great to be on my own until I was on my own. And then, you know what? I wish I wasn't on my own. And that's really what John is saying here. Hold on to Jesus. Remain in him. If you stay connected to him, you'll have all that you need. But when you let him go and you're on your own, then you're on your own. And and here's the picture. John, again, he's writing in 1 John a letter to the church because of what he actually witnessed and heard and walked with and talked with. So let's look at that. Let's flip over to when John was walking with Jesus in John chapter 15, and he echoes the words of Jesus here. Here's what Jesus says in John's gospel, chapter 15. These are the words of Jesus. I am the vine. You are the branches. Not the other way around, by the way. We don't try to fit Jesus into our way of doing things. We are grafted into his way of doing things. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into a fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. 
What does it mean to prove to be a disciple of Jesus? It means that you remain in him. Because as you remain in him, then he does the work and he produces the fruit and he brings the things about that you need to see and that you need to do and that you need to hear and that you need to follow. It's all on him. Here's what he says you can do without him. Nothing. And so that's why John is saying you just remain in him. (laughs) Now, that makes a great sermon, but that's kind of difficult to do at times because we're challenged in so many ways. And we have so many times that we just want to take back control of things and we want to do it on our own and we want to leave it on our own. And and just honestly, sometimes it's just hard. You know, I don't stand up here every week and and believe that I'm telling you easy things to do. I I stand up here understanding the challenge of this and the culture that we live in. And I understand that there's a story behind every face that you're probably looking at me going, man, that sounds good from the pulpit, but you have no idea what I'm actually going through in my life right now on to Jesus, absolutely right. But here's the truth that I know, is that as I hold on to Jesus, I can do the hard things. It's when I hold on to Jesus that I can do the hard things. When I try to do them on my own, they're just hard. And I'll just be real honest with you how much of a sissy I am, though I like to try to think I'm a man. When things get hard sometimes like that, I just like, well, I'm done. That's hard. But when I hold on to Jesus, there's something that helps me through that. He walks with me in those times, and then I can do the hard things. What do you mean hard things, Pastor? Well, I'm not necessarily about talking about lifting heavy stuff and, you know, doing manual labor. I'm talking about that thing that takes a toll on our heart and our emotions, that that brokenheartedness that we have because we see people who aren't following the Lord, and we love them, and we want more for them than what we can give them, and we want to speed up this season so that we can help them see that, but we can't do that, so all we can do is hold on to Jesus, and that's hard, because I'd rather just fast forward it by maybe a good slap in the back of the head sometimes and go, let's just, come on, let's just do this, or maybe there's just some people who are challenging you, and they're they're truly anti-Christ, they're just attacking you on some things, and you're just like, I'm just done with this, I want to walk away. Well, with Jesus, you can do the hard things. Like, let me give you an example of a hard thing. Matthew 5, chapter, chapter 5, starting in verse 43, Jesus' words again. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For if you love those who love you, what rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous? For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't the Gentiles do the same? That's one of a ton of examples we could go into. But I'm not going to go into that. I'm just going to tell you it's only by holding on to Jesus that you're able to actually do the hard Know that you are truly a follower of his. A fruit that demonstrate his work in your life so that you know that you are truly a follower of his. Of his and clearly see Jesus. I'm just going to ask you this question this morning. Are you trying to fit yourself into God's will, or are you trying to fit Jesus into your life? Because what we need to understand is the life and the hope and the reality that Jesus is offering is totally different than what culture may seem or even what my best ideas may seem. What Jesus is offering me is clearly 
He's offering me a new life, a new and a different life. Clearly, Jesus offers me something different than I can come up with on my own. And the question that you have to determine this morning is, is the life that Jesus offering the one that I want to have and follow, or do I just want to do this on my own? 